right. Can we pray? Yes, you sure can. <laughs> okay. Well, Father, I just ask you to, to uh, be in the midst of this interview. I ask that you bless this time. I ask that every word that comes out of our mouth be uh, of your spirit and your heart. And I thank you uh, so much for Jeff and, and asking me to do this. It's an honor and a pleasure. And I ask that you bless him. I ask that you bless his program. I ask that you increase the number of listeners uh, so that your word spreads. We praise you. We love you. Love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Great. That's awesome. I had a quick question at the beginning, but Mr. Bills put it in. He's set up all these questions, so I'll be <laughs> asking his questions. He's the one who's read all this. I haven't read this before, but I do know some of the information. But okay. uh, first of all, uh, what was your family life like for you growing up? Well, I, uh, I had very loving parents. Uh, my father, I received a bl the blessings of a, a wonderful father who loved me. And uh, my father was a history professor and scholar. My mother was um, uh, a working mom. And uh, I was raised just running around on college campuses when I was a kid. I loved the library. I loved the smell of the books. And I loved uh, just wandering the halls. My dad would take me. It was sort of like, okay, the kid's coming with me to work. And uh, But this was these were the halls of Ivy, uh, not what you would find today. And so uh, I, grew, I grew up with that kind of environment. And it was a wonderful environment at the time. This was in the, the mid-60s, so uh, uh, that's, that's pretty much my background in a nutshell. My parents were not, um, uh, I would say they weren't churchgoers. My grandparents, both on both sides of my family, were uh, believers, and they regularly attended church, and when I was growing up, they would uh, take me, haul me off to Bible class and uh, haul me off to church. But my parents, um, it didn't translate uh, to them as much. And I think it was because my father was a liberal and he was more interested in the democratic process. He was kind of a John F. Kennedy um, liberal and asked not what uh, your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Mm. And so that was the uh, upbringing I had. And plus it was spoken into me from an early age uh, that I could be anything I wanted to be if I worked hard. He didn't necessarily care what I did as long as I had a passion for it, and I loved it, and uh, and that was it. How did you uh, become interested in music? Well, um, I'd always had a gift <clears throat> in music. I uh, picked up the guitar at an early age, about the time I was 13, uh, joined a little trio. We put a, a girls group together, and we sang at uh, local events around our, our town, but... Um, I never thought of a pursuit of it as a career. And uh, my senior year in high school, my father moved us to Toledo, Ohio, where he joined the University of Toledo. And so I that was my senior year. And I had no friends, and I was adrift. And so my mother signed me up for a uh, talent contest. I did not win the talent contest, but I did get a record deal out of it. And it was with uh, Lime, Limelight Records, which is a subsidiary of what was once Mercury Records. A label mate was Leslie Gore. So it was out of Chicago. And so I went up there and recorded some 45s. 
and I sometimes quote what Billy Crystal said in his movie Mr. Saturday or Mr. Saturday Night, and he's talking about his albums and and he said they went lead. Well, my little 45s went lead too. So <laughs> they just it just never took off. <laughs> but I got a lot of airplay in in Toledo during my senior year, and that helped bridge me with kids and and I had a wonderful senior year and then into my college years I uh, joined various different bands my mother went with me I was underage so she would um, go with me to sing in clubs and bars and and with big dance bands wherever alcohol was sold my mother was there with me to guard me and protect my honor Mm -hmm. so (laughs) so I had a lot of experience uh, growing, you know, into adulthood, and then my, uh, uh, I joined a, a group, and uh, we needed a guitar player. My husband uh, was hired, and it was sort of love at first sight, and so uh, it just kind of grew from there. We hired him, and uh, and then my husband and I toured for a while with a group, and then we moved to Florida, where we both got saved. Uh, accepted the Lord around 80 and 81, and um, uh, then I started, uh, I really wasn't paying attention, frankly, to uh, uh, contemporary Christian music. I was not aware of it. I didn't go to church. I didn't want anything to do with church because I'd had such a bad experience um, as a 13 or 14 year old. I was out riding my bike and I saw a tent. And I drove over to that tent on my bike, and I was intrigued by the message. It was um, um, a revival. And so I walked in and stood at the back, and I was just amazed at the music and all the excitement. And the pastor got up and stopped all the proceedings and pointed me out and said, You, young lady, you're not dressed appropriately. You have to leave. That's not acceptable uh, acceptable attire. And I had on shorts. And so I was embarrassed and humiliated. And from that moment on, it dramatically uh, changed my perception of church and wanting to be involved with Christians. And so even when I got saved, um, I didn't want to go to church. So I was an armchair Christian for about four or five years and uh, watched um, evangelists on television on Sunday morning with my husband. And then eventually the Holy Spirit spoke to us and said, you know, you need life and community in the body of Christ. So with a little bit of trepidation, we started attending church. And at some point, we were working for SeaWorld. I was recording uh, for Disney and doing a lot of session work. And just that was, we were both musicians in the community of Orlando, Florida. And someone, or my husband suggested that we make a a tape of Christian music. And at that time I was ill and I didn't know I had pneumonia, but I was starting to lose the pure sound of my voice and I had developed a rasp. I'd even been asked to set out some of the sessions that I was working in and I was mortified. And I thought, gosh, I may have to quit singing. Nobody's going to want to listen to my voice. And um, my husband kept prevailing and pushing and saying, let's make this tape. And so we did. And that tape 
uh, a friend of ours, another fellow musician, um, submitted it to Word Records, and the subsidiary Dayspring of Word uh, called and said, we'd like to talk to you. I was dumbfounded. I, I, uh, I didn't have any grassroots following. I didn't know the rules from denomination to denomination, you know, the unspoken rules that you should know. And um, I wasn't steeped in Bible, Bible verses. I thought, this is really out of my element. I'm a fish out of water. I don't know about this. They flew me to Texas and asked me to do a duet with a gentleman, and I'd never heard of him. And when I got off the phone, I said, oh, I'm very honored to, to, to uh, accept this. Thank you so much. And I hung up the phone, and I went to my husband, and I said, Joel, can you tell me, who, who is this guy, Wayne Watson? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so he said, well, he's a singer, and, and he's had hits and all of this kind of stuff. So we started uh, – we didn't have Google in those days, but he, we did have the Internet. And he, he said, this is who it is. And so I went, wow, okay. So I flew to Houston, did a duet. The president heard uh, the song at, at Word and said, you probably should sign this girl. And so my husband and I flew up there, and I had all the reasons that one would have for not wanting to uh, – to be signed because this was so awkward for me, and I said, you know, I don't, uh, I don't write my own material, and they said, well, we've got a stable of writers that would love to have somebody uh, to write for, and I said, I don't have um, grassroots following, nobody's ever heard of me, and they said, well, we would like the opportunity to build a career with someone, and. Um, and so I said, I don't, um, I'm uncomfortable with this. I don't know, uh, uh, I, have a, I have a rasp in my voice, and, and I've lost session work before. And they said, well, that's the reason we'd like to sign you, mm. because it's so different. And uh, I was stunned. And from that moment on, I, uh, I realized that God does indeed work for the good in all things. Uh, for those that are called according to his purposes, mm-hmm. that he can take something that seems like um, a failure or the worst possible situation, but he can he can transform it. He can resurrect it. Uh, we may have a death of of something, a wish, a dream, or or a career, or whatever it is, but he knows how to resurrect those things and transform our lives if we will allow him to do it so i signed and went okay this is going to be a wild ride and it was but that's how i got signed and that's how i became a concert artist wow so i read that uh you were signed to mercury records you were talking earlier and Mm -hmm. you became a professional singer at 15 singing in the bars so that's what you talked about yes and it led your led that way to um through you being found that's all just uh, I'm, I'm just laughing it's just so awesome to hear this uh it was an odd it was an odd trip because i <clears throat> i ended up uh through the course of my um my singing career before i became a christian i uh 
I was doing um, background vocals for Freddie Fender. I ended up in uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas at a studio called uh, Ben Jacks. And um, the guys from the Sonny and Cher show would drive through through there because, um, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Joel, can you remember his name? Oh, David Page of uh, Toto. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Page's uh, grandmother lived there. <clears throat> And um, and so they would drive through, and and there was uh, David Hungate uh, with Toto, and he'd come in and he'd play bass mm -hmm. on uh, some of the music. So I got to work with these guys, and it was just an extraordinary time, and it was a growing time for me to to learn how to um, to record because of a, a recording voice is different from a live voice, and uh, the precision that's required. I had to learn all of that. I had to learn to read music. I had to, and then it, people would come in and they'd say, "Well, I've got music I've written. Would you sing?" But I want you to sound like somebody. And I'd go, "Who?" They'd go, "Well, Anne Murray or Olivia Newton-John or Aretha Franklin." <laughs> and I was going, "Oh boy, what a ride!" So all of that um, was a great training ground for what God was going to do later. So it's true that you you were going to give music up altogether, and that, that's because of your voice. You thought yes. you couldn't sing. Yes. Oh wow. I well, you know, I'd had I'd gone to um, a session, a couple of sessions. One in uh, I was doing uh, uh, vocals for Tupperware. They were doing uh, a special show in Orlando, and the producer of that show. Um, we were all standing around the microphones in the studio, and we were singing, and he goes, there's something wrong here. I'm hearing something that's odd. And he made every every person step up to the mic and sing their part. And when it got to me, um, that rasp came up, and he says, it's you. And he said, you just need to um, take a break. And I was mortified. And uh, that began to happen. Uh with more frequency because still the pure tones were in demand and and uh, I didn't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your battles with cancer and pneumonia. You told me a little bit about pneumonia there. Um, you had a battle with cancer as well. Yes, I had a, uh, <clears throat> I was diagnosed with cancer and had to have a complete hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. And so my husband and I um, uh, decided that after 10 years of marriage, we would adopt. And um, I was very fortunate. They got all of it. I didn't have to go through a lot of chemotherapy or radiation. And um, so I ended up with two fabulous, beautiful children from Korea. Mm. And uh, they're both grown, and they've flown the nest. And so we're empty nesters. But uh, it was a wonderful, a wonderful time because, of course, when you adopt, you, you really can embrace the idea of God adopting us into the family of God. Mm -hmm. Praise God for that. Uh, talk about how you saw Phil Keggy in Orlando for the first time, and what impact did that have on your life? I actually never saw Phil Keggy in Orlando. What happened was that uh, before my husband and I became Christians, we were touring with a group that we were working with, and we were... We had a gig in uh, Dalton, Georgia, and um, so after we were finished at night, we would go to a 24-hour restaurant 
called the Yellow Deli. And uh, they're the Yellow Submarine. And so we went one one night, and there was music playing uh, in the speakers in the ceiling. And we heard this music, and we just fell in love with it. And so we asked the waiter, who is that? And the guy said, oh, that's Phil Kagey. And then he began to explain who he was. Well, uh, later, my husband and I got some of his albums and just fell in love with his music. Now, you got to remember, we weren't saved. So we moved to Orlando, and we uh, finally accept the Lord in 1981. And we were playing our first gig just, just with the two of us as a duo. Uh was a Chinese uh, restaurant, um, and we played for our food and a, just a little stipend just to get started because we wanted to come off the road. And one of the songs we included in our repertoire was Love Broke Through, which is still one of my favorite songs that Phil Kagey ever did. And so uh, later, when I signed and had my... Uh, first album released on Dayspring, we did a couple of concert dates. So anyway, uh, needless to say, uh, when I started doing Jesus festivals and we started doing concerts uh, and touring with the first and second album, I was thrilled, as was my husband, to find out that Phil Kagey was on the venues. Mm. And so we got to meet him, and we got to open for him at the Lamb Theater in New York. And, of course, then I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. So, <laughs> but, um, And then just recently, uh, my husband co-produced a song with Phil for a gentleman named John Morgan, who is um, an incredible impersonator, a George Bush impersonator. And... Uh, so have your fans uh, look John Morgan up. It's he he looks exactly like him. Even even Bush told him, you know, I'd be mad if I looked if I, you know, if I were you for looking like me. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, so the uh, the connection to Phil uh, continues. So what? Um, oh yeah, here we go. You told me about what. Uh, led to signing with word what are some mm -hmm. of your memories from recording your first album for word which was champions yes it was um it was intense it was uh it was uh exciting and uh and very interesting because jonathan david brown is um uh was very um excitable and uh, so it was. It was a, a a roller coaster ride, really. Uh, lots of different emotion because because he really wanted to pull the best out, and he had this way of recording so that you could you could uh, sing the song through a million times, and then he would he would pull and call what he wanted out of all those millions of times to get the best elevated performance. So. Um, uh, so it was it was a fun time. That's awesome. <laughs> On your album Out of the Blue, you explore singing blues numbers for the first time. Uh, what brought yes. that about, and how was it received? 
Well, it's interesting that you should ask that question because uh, when my husband and I would tour, Joel would go with me, and when we would go out, uh, we always liked to, uh, to do some fun things that were unexpected. And in the concerts, we started doing a spoof, really, on contemporary Christian blues, which makes it an oxymoron because you think, oh, the joy of the Lord. Uh, but um, so we uh, we began to uh, to do just a, sort of a little funny thing, and the audience response was absolutely mind blowing to us. And we realized, ooh, there's something here. They really love blues, and uh, what better way uh, to express, uh, you know, count it all joy when you face trial and tribulation, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Joel and I wrote Out of the Blue, and we began to perform it. And um, it became one of the most requested things that we did when we were in concert. So it was added to... Uh, the album, and uh, Out of the Blue was a little bit of a challenge because I had five producers, which was unheard of, and uh, so there's a lot of eclectic, uh, different uh, different mix of styles, but I had people behind the scenes coming up to me saying, you know, uh, blues is the kiss of death. And uh, I did have a lot of problems. Uh, I would go to GMA and radio guys would say, hey, love your music, but we're never going to play it. Hmm. Uh, your voice is too aggressive. Hmm. I was told that right out of the, right out of the gate no. with champions. And, um, and I had one, one of the producers tell me, an executive producer tell me, well, you know, you may, you may just never uh, reach the level that other people do, you may be a, a a wall a wall destroyer. Tear down walls for other people to walk through, and uh, because I got so much pushback um, that my voice was too aggressive, and uh, so the stations that didn't have the kind of programming that was subscription. They played it like crazy, but those that were on a subscription basis and received a, a radio set or an airplay set every week, I was never included in those. Well, I can tell you, we play a lot. <laughs> play a lot of it, <laughs> and "Out of the Blue" is Mr. Bill's favorite song, and it's probably one of mine as well. Oh, thank great, you! Great stuff, and we have. Uh, the Blues Hour on Saturday and Sundays, and we play a lot of yours. And I, we play a lot of you through the week. You're in regular uh-huh. rotation, I guarantee you. Absolutely. So, well, mm-hmm, go ahead. It's it's interesting that you that you mention Out of the Blue because even though um, the um, here at the in the states it wasn't as well received, uh, you know, again. God works for the good in all things, and that that particular album and that style led us to going to Europe, where we were invited to sign with Spark Records and do a blues album, which is called Glory Road. And so we uh, toured with that that album, and it was probably one of the most fulfilling 
uh, seasons of my life because people were so hungry for the word and the blues just broke down so many barriers and people just ate it up and it just uh, afforded me an opportunity to be able to uh, minister to people out of a out of a, a style that no one was doing at the time a female wasn't doing at the time now I'm sure there's lots of blues uh, singers, but at the time there wasn't wasn't a female Christian blues singer, so uh, it was just a great time. And I got to work with people like Daryl Mansfield and Glenn Kaiser and Larry Howard, so it was just an extraordinary opportunity. Yeah, what what was it like being on the road with those guys? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> It was a blast. Yeah. It was a blast. Yeah. Great memories, eh? Yes. Yeah. So um, you talked about your album, Glory, Glory, Glory Road. And uh, uh-huh. what have you been doing since Glory Road? And what is your life like today? Well, you know, um, I came back uh, and uh, for uh, a few years began to wonder because I became ill again. I ended up with a uh, an autoimmune problem and uh, it's a it's a rare autoimmune and uh, I began to lose uh, <clears throat> uh, my voice again and it and it began to change and I began to have a struggle with it and so I thought this is really uh, sad for me and so I had to teach myself how to sing again uh, I wasn't going to stop singing, say, praise, praise and worship at my church. I just wasn't going to record that much anymore And um, as a concert artist. And uh, so I went through a period of sadness. And so I thought, I need something that makes me laugh. And so I looked for and found inspiration in writing uh, an album and a play called Adam's Rib. And I worked with Cheryl Rogers, who produced some of the songs on uh, Out of the Blue. And uh, she's just a consummate producer and artist. And she's produced probably every artist I can think of in, in Nashville. So we partnered on this this thing. And... Um, we uh, we ended up with uh, music for representing uh, nine women from the Bible, and it's all uh, a lot of it is comedy, but it it just tells uh, the stories of, of these women in uh, a modern take a modern take on on their their attitude how they feel and uh, and um, and then at the uh, we toured with that for several years, and so we stopped uh, a couple of years ago uh, performing it. And um, and in the meantime, in 1998, I went on ahead and became a realtor, and uh, uh, I realized that you can minister to people no matter where you are in your in your walk. And uh, I have found that it has been a real blessing to me be able to serve people in that capacity mm-hmm. that's terrific and they can find you how can they find you <laughs> i guess oh well 
I'm with. I'm. Uh, they can just contact me uh, if they if they would like to. Uh, I'm working on my. Uh, I'm redoing my uh, website. I work with a part a partner. She's wonderful. She's my real estate partner, and we uh, we're revamping our website. And as we'll, it'll be up before Thanksgiving. And so, if anyone would like to contact me, they can through BalenWinkler.com. And that's B-A-L-I-N-W-I-N-K-L-E-R dot com. Perfect. Terrific. Yeah, I want to make sure I get that in there. Okay, that's all I have here, but I think uh, that was just terrific. i got (laughs) so much out there. Um, Thank you so much, Trace Balin, for being our guest on the Time Machine. And uh, we're just so happy to have had you. God bless you. And... uh, in all that you do, and we just thank you for your ministry in the past and ministry today as well. And uh, I understand Joel uh, is still in the music there, so you were just saying, just to remind me, he has helped produce uh, with Phil Kagey, is that right? He's produced a lot, and he still is a consummate musician. He's a great guitarist, Mm -hmm. and he's a worship leader and pastor at our church. And... um, so I'm just I'm blessed. We're we're going into 40 years of marriage. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That is terrific. That's yeah. terrific. Well, God bless you. 